I had a uh, parent uh, catch me and said their daughter was concerned that during dinner I might beam in to their home. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, family get-togethers are always interesting. Um, most of the time, we, we look forward to that time together. Uh, we, we plan that time together with our families, with our parents, our kids, our extended family. And sometimes we gather because of traditions or because of life situations that, that force us together. And in those times, sometimes we are eagerly kind of holding our breath when our parents drive up, or when our children drive up. And others kind of get a knot in their, in their stomach uh, as they hear the knock at the door. A portion of people choke back the, the tears when they're saying goodbye, and others choke back the desire to invite their family to leave about an hour after they've gotten there, you know. <laughs> I heard... Uh, about a family, they're gathered at the table eating dinner, and uh, mom turned to her six-year-old and said, will you say the blessing? And she said, well, I wouldn't know what to say. And she said, well, just say what you've heard your mommy say. So the little girl bowed her head, and she said, dear Lord, why did I invite all these people to dinner? You know. Um, <laughs> Now, we're concluding our, our series, uh, Star Trek, uh, Parenting in a New World. And in this session, I want to focus on the next generation. I want to talk about letting go of our children. And uh, the, the difficulty of grown children, as I talk to them relating to their parents, and the difficulty listening to parents trying to relate to their adult children. And I, I think it's a little bit naive that once our kids reach adulthood, that we think the family struggle is over. And in fact, the, nothing could be further from the truth. True? Those of you that have started letting your kids go, that's tough, isn't it? Focus on the Family did a poll uh, a while back, and they were trying to determine the, what the toughest challenge for young families, young parents, what their toughest challenge was, and they, they were shocked by the results. They found out that 44% of those that responded to their survey said their greatest frustration as young parents was their inability and the unwillingness of their parents to release them and let them go. You know, some of you, as I say that, know exactly what I'm talking about which is why when the family gets together, it's kind of a mixture of emotions. You know, the last time you were talking to your dad, you, you made the mistake of, of telling dad that you were thinking about buying a new car, a foreign car. And 45 minutes later, when dad finally came up for breath and he closed with kind of a flag-draped by American lecture, you, you're reminded of the tension. You know, you're tempted to say, how do you really feel about that, Dad? You know. And you have a pretty good idea what he's going to say when he pulls in your drive and he sees that new Honda Civic sitting in the garage. I mean, one thing's for sure, he's not going to keep his opinion to himself and he's going to come at you with both barrels. And you know it's going to be a long weekend. 
Can anybody identify with that? I mean, you change the story, but things fit. You know, a wife talking to her mom in the kitchen. Mom, we've made a decision. When I come off maternity leave, I'm going back to work. And then mom unleashes in a shoulda, oughta, if I were you, and it leaves your wife hurting, misunderstood. In fact, it's going to take a long time to talk it through. You know, when the the folks finally leave, it's going to be a while before things get back to normal. And friends, I could stand up here today and share story after story after story because I hear too many of these stories. And so today what I want to do is unpack this a little bit, unpack the the kind of complexity that is involved in letting kids go. And we have all, if we're honest, felt this tension somewhere along the way. You know, when you hear the, the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother so that what? Yeah, it's the first uh, commandment that has a promise with it. And the question is, how does this square with the commandment in Genesis 2.24 that says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife? That command to leave, to leave your parents' dominion, to, to march out under your own autonomy and own authority, establish your, your own home and cleave to your wife and become the next generation. And here's the question, I think. At what point, parents, kids, you know, at what point can adult children expect that the parenting roles get redefined? You know, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, uh, in their book Boundaries, they, they have an excellent section on the whole topic but it's how do children eventually become healthy adults? I mean, how do they make that transition? It doesn't just naturally happen. I mean, all kids begin in what I'll call a one-down relationship. You know, obviously very early in life, they are totally under the control of mom and dad, right? Or at least as much control as we can get, right? (laughs) But they need everything from us. You know, they, they, we decide when they eat, when, what kind of clothing, their schedule. We decide their, their development, their educational process. That's the way it is. That's God's design for the family. But then it begins to change. And pretty early on, you know, through adolescence, kids begin to, to kind of stretch and find their, their, their place, you know. Sometimes this is a stormy era in a relationship. They, they'll have a few spatial rifts uh, along the way. Because a child, according to how young they are, some, some start earlier than others, they begin to flex their self-will muscle, right? How many of you have little kids? Maybe you're starting to see that already. You know, they, they, they've got a mind of their own. Instinctively, adolescence, they want out of that lopsided, one-down kind of relationship with their parents. But if we don't handle that process right, I mean, it's got to be handled properly. Because sometime in, in their early to mid-20s, the child's now grown and they no longer want a one-down relationship. 
but they want an eye-to-eye relationship. You know, and that, that kind of an outcome, that kind of a happy outcome, it takes both the parents and the child working on that to successfully navigate the, the adolescent time and that adolescent period. To do that, we, we've got to, to kind of work and begin working on that in their adolescent years to establish that, that next generation. And there's two things that have to occur during this period. One is, parents, you must learn to pull back. You know, not all at once, obviously. You don't go, well, you're on your own, you know. But it's a little, it's a process. Wise parents begin to encourage their kids to think, to independently think. Through those elementary years, you begin to help them develop themselves. So you keep giving them more and more decision-making ropes, so to speak. Through, through the teen years, you begin to amp it up a little more, allow them to make decisions so that gradually and naturally, There's a progression from the hierarchy to an eye-to-eye relationship, kind of a style of of relating. And congruently, the children have to learn to develop their own opinions, their own convictions, their own skills, their own abilities, to, to learn to stand on their own so that as they're coming out of high school, they're beginning to stand pretty solid. They come out of college... They're standing solid. They begin to feel independent. They begin to feel uh, competent in, in what they're doing. And they feel they deserve more of an eye-to-eye relationship. But both parties, parents have to do their part. Kids have to do their, their part. And this sounds easy, right? How many of you, your kids are at that age where they're out? It's not so easy, is it? I mean, it's tough. You know, sprinkle in a little bit of sin, a little bit of self-will, and watch what happens. I mean, let's just say a parent decides, I'm not going to pull back. I'm not going to let go. You know, for whatever reason, they they try and keep their son or or daughter in this kind of one-down relationship. You know, they they try to overpower their opinions. Uh, they try to manipulate their, their career choices, their spiritual choices, their marriage choices, their housing choices, their purchasing choices. You know, whatever. You pick your poison. Over time, what happens is that kind of controlling dynamic probably will destroy the possibility of a healthy parent-child relationship. I mean, some grown children, they get to a point where they're so exasperated with it that they rip the reins off and they rarely visit, they rarely call or make contact with their parents. You know, I see this all the time. On on the other hand, uh, if you don't deal with it, you just let it build and it, it begins to infect until what happens is the relationship dies if nobody's willing to talk about it. But either way, grown children eventually, faced with that situation, will opt out. They'll opt out. They'll they'll stay out of the relationship with the parents that are trying to control them. They'll They'll just bail. They'll go, nope, I'm done. Now, sometimes the problem's on the other side of the equation. You know, this is where a grown child decides, for whatever reason 
to, to face the, the tough challenges in, in, that are out there. They, they prefer the cocoon of their, their parental uh, protection, so to speak. You know, they don't really want to deal with the harsh realities of, of real life. And so they never take charge. They never take charge of their own feelings, their own attitudes, their own uh, opinions, their own skills. They, they choose to stay in the one-down relationship. And oftentimes, it leads to deterioration on the other end. Because parents begin to grieve this ongoing feeling of overdependency. Does this make sense? I mean, you know, you, you think, oh, this would be easy. But God's pattern for us is really clear. The, the fact is that parents have to do their part. Parents, you have to do your part. Teenagers, you have to do your part. You know, you have to work gradually and, and responsibly from, from this one-down relationship to an eye-to-eye relationship where uh, adult children can, can look at mom and dad and go, you know what, I love them, I honor them. I respect my parents without feeling like, okay, I'm getting manipulated or controlled into doing something that's not me. And parents, you've got to help your kids take that stance so that you can treasure them, so that you can respect them without this unhealthy uh, dependency, whether it be emotionally or financially or, or otherwise. Now, are you tracking with me? Give me a nod here. Parents that are in it, they're going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, but I'm going to muddy the waters now because I want to go a step further and talk about boundaries that we need. You know, you ever ask yourself as a Christian, just as a Christian, you go, you know, how much of the world's pain am I responsible for bearing? You know, how involved must I be in other people's problems. You ever ask that as a Christian? I mean, I do. You know, what am I responsible for? But let's track that back to the parent-child relationship. Have you ever asked this? Must I respond to every fear, every feeling, every wish, every desire, every expectation of my parents in order to honor my parents? You ever ask that as adult children? You know, remember asking that? Or parents, must I step in and rescue my grown child every time they cry for help? You know, must I respond to all their needs, all their desires, in order to qualify as a caring Christian parent? I get asked that a lot. They're like, but it's my kid, shouldn't I? What, what should I do? I, I, I don't like it. I don't really want to do it. But what's the Christian thing to do? You know, I mean, shouldn't there be some guidelines for this so that you can kind of keep your sanity through it? I mean, that's what boundaries are about. That's what boundaries are about. They're territorial lines. They help us define our relationships. They, they keep individuals from being overpowered or dominated. You know, boundaries enable us to build close relationships with our family, with friends, without losing that, that critical sense of uh, uh, individuality or the, what defines you. You know, it gives a grown son the ability to say, you know what, Dad, I love you. 
I, I respect your convictions and opinions about buying American. I really do, Dad. But I'd like you to come out to the garage, and if you could see fit, take a ride in my new Honda. Don't have to agree with the decision, but I'm glad I bought it. And to take that a step further, it also allows that individual, if dad pouts or shouts or expresses his disapproval, it allows that son to say, you know what, that's dad's issue. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. It allows them to, to look and say, look, I'm gainfully employed. I'm making the payments. I'm taking care of my life. I'm a godly steward with what I'm doing. I've studied. I've looked at the options. And I am determined that the decision I made is a good decision. It's the right decision for me. And if dad has a problem with it, it's dad's problem. Dad's got to resolve it on his side of the equation. Now, I want to I be clear so I don't have uh, adult children running out of here going, good, I can let him have it, all right? There's no cockiness here. There's no rubbing it in someone's face or anything like that. There's no insensitivity. It's just one adult making a choice within their territorial lines and another adult trying to trespass to give kind of strong signals of disapproval. Boundaries, boundaries help keep the relationship from getting enmeshed, uh, getting convoluted. You know, when that kind of um, trespassing occurs, you know. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've experienced that kind of trespassing in your life at any point. Because one... Too many hands would be going up. Parents would spot their adult children and go, ha! And it would get very, very quiet in here. You know, boundaries enable a young mom to say, Mom, I understand that you chose not to work when, when us kids were born. And I appreciate everything you did for me and for my brothers and sisters but we've thought about it, we've looked at the pros and cons, we've prayed about it, and we've decided together that I'm going back to work. Now, Mom, you can be delighted with that, you can be disgusted with that, but I'm not going to change my mind because we've decided. See, territorial lines. I mean, again, it's, it's firmly and lovingly just saying to yourself you know, mom doesn't like this. She's not signing on with it. But that's mom's issue. She's going to have to work through that on her side of the equation. Sometimes I talk about topics like this. People go, oh, well, that's some new hot idea. But you take a look through Scripture. I mean, Jesus, when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents inadvertently left him at the temple. Now, I think what happened is mom thought he was with dad. Dad thought he was with mom. They traveled in a different part of the caravan. And so they kind of figure it out, and then they backtrack. They head back to the temple, and they find Jesus, 12 years old. He's debating the religious leaders at that point. 
And at 12 years old, Jesus gently began to draw territorial lines. I mean, he reminded Mary and Joseph that his life was devoted to God's will. And in a way, you know, when you read that story, at 12, he begins to establish some autonomy in his life, not rebelliously, not insensitively, but gradually and and carefully in in his life. Later, uh, Jesus would say some very startling words, and I think sometimes when we read these in Scripture, we we just think, oh, they're not very important. But he writes in, in Luke, says, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brother, sister, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciples. And when you unpack that, I mean, Jesus is saying, you know, and again, he's, he's not against marriage. He's for marriage. He's for parent-child relationship. He's for the family. But Jesus is saying, there is coming a time in your life when you have to make up your own mind about some things. You know, you're going to have to make up your, your mind about what you believe, about who you're going to follow. You, you, you should listen to your parents' counsel. I mean, I know Jesus would say that. But Jesus would say in the final analysis, it is not their decision that matters. It is your decision that really matters. I mean, Jesus, in a way, is reminding, saying, there is going to be a point where we stand and give an account before God someday. And that we're going to stand alone in that day of reckoning. And we will not stand in our parents' shadow. Jesus is saying, you've got to step up to the plate at some point and take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your own spiritual choices, your own relational choices, your own financial choices. And once you make those choices, see, boundaries enable you to stick with them, to live them out. If, if your parents don't agree, if your family doesn't agree, if your friends don't agree, or whoever doesn't agree. You know, Jesus, right before the ascension, uh, he, he's talking to the apostles, and he, he kind of zeroes in on, on Peter, and he says, Peter, I want you to stay faithful, even if it means martyrdom, dying. And Peter gets a little nervous at this point. And so he sees one of the other disciples standing by. And he goes, what about John? What about John? What will be his fate? And Jesus says to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. What's that to you, Peter? You follow me. You make a choice to follow me. Boundaries, Peter. Pay attention here. You know, using today's verbiage, he'd say, you deal with yourself, your side of the equation, Peter. Let John deal with John. It's his problem. They're separate boundaries. You see it throughout Scripture. I mean, if if you replay the crossroads, the important crossroads in your life, I'm talking to adults here. If you replay that, you, you would come to a point by hindsight where all of us would look back and go, oh, if I had understood boundaries, my whole life would have been different in this area. 
if I would have stuck to my decisions in this area, if I wouldn't have caved in other situations, you know, as I was thinking this past week, putting the message together, I think the, the very fact I'm standing here today goes back to an intuitive sense of boundaries. I didn't know about boundaries. But intuitively, I understood God's grace and strength. Because I, I was 17, and I remember I, I went to my dad. And I had talked about going in ministry. And then I got work in advertisement. And I remember going to my dad, and I said, Dad, I am going to go to Lincoln Christian College. I want to become a minister, and I'm going to take that step. And my dad, strong personality. I felt the full weight of his disapproval. And friends, it wiped me out. I mean, it just wiped me out. Now, as I look back on it, I probably was over-dependent on my dad's approval, at least early in my life. But I can tell you I felt that day like my whole world had come undone. And I felt like probably the loneliest person on the planet And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God's spirit just kept pushing on me. Follow me. Obey me. You make the call. It's your life. And I can remember just wrestling with that. And God just kept saying, Damon, he's got to work through it. It's your life. Trust me, follow me. And, and I kept moving forward. And I remember a few days passed, and my dad just, he kind of would walk by me. He wouldn't say anything. He'd grunt, and I'd grunt, and it was kind of like that. And then I remember s- sitting down with him, and I said, Dad, you know, you may live a long time and not understand what I'm doing. You, you may not affirm what I'm doing. But, Dad, I'm going to do it. I'm going, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be a pastor. Now, the upside of this story is my dad began to see God's hand in my life. And very early on in my ministry, he started coming on board. And he, he's been extremely supportive. My mom, she would catch me early on. She'd go, don't worry about it. Your dad will get over it, you know. And uh, so... That, that probably wasn't a good parent move, remember, unity. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I could tell you I've, I won some uh, boundary battles early in my life, and I lost some. You know, I could just as easily stand up here and tell you dozens of experiences in my life where I, I backed down, where I allowed other people, not just parents, but other people to, to sway me because it didn't meet their approval. Uh, and I, you know, I just didn't stand firm. Get a little nervous. I'd break down. I, I would give someone else control of, of my life. As parents, hear me, as parents, the role has to be redefined at a point. And it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. It can be very difficult. And what's hard about it is we go from being parents that 
we give advice. But not only do we give advice, for years we've set limits for our kids. We've taken on attitudes. We've enforced rules. We've determined what the family game plan is, so to speak. And then one day it changes. Now, you still give advice, right? How many of you have grown children? Let me see your hands. You still give advice, don't you? The difference is sometimes they take it and sometimes they don't, right? Is that true? But you've got to remember it is their decision ultimately. And you've got to remember to keep listening to them even when they don't go the direction that you wanted them to go. You need to encourage them with responsible choices, godly choices. You know, don't bail them out. Let them fail. That's how we all learn. That's how you learn. The best lessons you've learned in life was when you failed. True? Isn't that true? Those are the ones that stick. Be available to your kids, your adult children. You know, young, young adults, as I talk to them, they struggle in life. They worry about things. They trip and fall, and they know that. And they seek guidance from time to time. And if you keep that door open, they will at some point say, Mom, Dad, how, how did you do this? You know, what, what, what makes sense? I can't, I can't figure my way out here. Keep loving them. Keep loving them even when they're heading down a path and you go, that, that just doesn't seem right to me. Keep loving them. You know, we, we are all in boundary battles in life. And sometimes it's very confusing. It requires conversation. It requires lots of prayer. It requires soul searching as a parent. And boundaries are important. I mean, this concept, because it affects you in every area of life, not just as parents, but with friends and, you know, anyone that you relate to. But it's especially important in the adult-child-parent relationship. You know, Scripture says it takes wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. Boundaries require wisdom. They require understanding. They require hard work. Boundaries help keep your, your family and your relationships from having resentment build up. It allows for differences of opinions without traumatizing your relationship. Boundaries enable a grown son or daughter to honor their parents, to shower and watch over their aging parents with compassion and love out of a spirit of love instead of a spirit of obligation. You know... If you feel you need to grow in this area, the best thing I can tell you is study. You know, pray about it. You know, sign up our our parenting class. I'm going to push it. I think we've still got a few slots open on that. Take the parenting class. They're going to be dealing with different, different areas of that. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for grace. You know, maybe you need to sit down with your mom, your dad. Maybe you need to sit down with your adult children or pick up the phone 
You know, and James 5 says, confess your faults one to another and say, you know what? Didn't do very good with this. Now, we've covered a ton of territory in the last five weeks. And I know there are all kinds of things. We could spend all year on this topic. But my hope and prayer is that we boldly go where no generation has gone before. That we become high-impact parents and grandparents. That, that we commit ourselves to raising that next generation so that they can go out and face the challenges of this world. You know, parents, I believe we can do that. I believe we can do it. I believe we can do it with hard work if we're willing to read and, and study and develop our parenting skills if we're willing to make the, the right choices. Not the easy choices. The right choices. And many times those choices are tough. But as Christians, we all need to encourage one another. We need to sharpen one another. We need to pray and seek God's wisdom each step of the way. And I believe with God's help, we can be the parents that God created us to be. Read with me. Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you and we thank you. And God, this whole parent-child relationship gets complicated. Just about the time we get it figured out, the ages change, the issues change. But God, I pray that you would continue to guide our steps that, uh, you know, I think so many times we think, okay, get them through college and I'll be done parenting, but we're parents for a lifetime. God, help us to figure it out. Help us to be the parents you created us to be. We give you the glory and the praise this day. Amen.